0: Today's Bible reading is coming from Luke chapter 9, and I'll be reading verses 18 to 27 from the New International Version. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 18. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah in this passage. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, what do you say I am, or who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, "'Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves "'and take up their cross daily and follow me. "'For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, "'but whoever loses their life for me will save it. "'What good is it for someone to gain the whole world "'and yet lose or forfeit their very soul?' Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is God's word. Amen.
1: Morning, everyone. And morning to those who are at home on this... Special Sunday for us, we call it Focus Sunday because it's the Sunday, first Sunday in February is when we usually do it and it's where we focus or refocus or get reminded about not just our theme or our focus for this year but the focus for us as a church and so this is significant and an important day for us. Our theme this year, in two words, is going to be following Jesus. We're going to talk about that and particular verses Luke 9 23 let's pray together it's always a privilege Heavenly Father to be able to approach you and to gather together freely we remember our brothers and sisters in the world who don't have that privilege of being able to gather freely but they can still approach you so bless them Lord and we pray that you would bless us as we gather here this day to again hear your word To realign our lives with your purposes and to be challenged and encouraged as we follow Jesus together speak to us we pray for his sake and for his purposes and we pray in his name and everybody said amen focus 2021 it's not going to be a secret it's pretty obvious What is our mission statement? I tell you this every year and so most of you should have it down pat by now. You have it in the bulletin, we talk about it all the time. What's our mission statement? Uh, Working in people into... Oh, you got that bit, into passionate followers of Jesus. Working with God. In transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus Christ. 12 words, three words at a time, four lines, working with God, transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's easy to remember isn't it? It can be summarized down to these four words, helping people follow Jesus. Do you know Queensland Baptists have a motto, a theme? They've reduced our purpose statement all the way down to two words, Following Jesus. So this year we are aligning ourselves completely with Queensland Baptist, that's good news isn't it? <clears throat> Sorry, I thought it was. <laughs> following Jesus. <clears throat> In this passage the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, asks the disciples uh, a couple of questions. What's the most important question we have to answer, even today? The most important question, who will I marry? where will i do what car will i buy no what job will i have who'll be my friends what will i do with my life no nope. what's the most important question that we have to answer and still is the case for everybody in the world today the most important question is have a guess you're Tony. That's correct who is Jesus that's the most important question in the world who we uh, we have to answer that question of who is he and then on the basis of that is the second question what's your response to him what do you want me to do Lord who are you and what do you want me to do they're the two questions in fact the Apostle Paul asked in Acts 22 when he meets the Lord Jesus he gets knocked off his horse Do you remember that story his conversion on the way to the Damascus on the Damascus road on his way to Damascus First question, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What do you want me to do? I want you to go and do this. I want you to go into the world and be a witness for me. Who is Jesus and what is our response to him? What's the most important part of us besides our hair? And our hair is very important to us because we spend a lot of time looking after it, don't we? All right, women do. My wife does. She's not alone. She spends thousands of dollars a year. You, you, you deny that? <laughs> we'll add it up later. <clears throat> My son in law spends money on his hair. But it's not our hair. What's the most important part of us? Our body? Our age? Nah, you know what the answer is. Your spirit, your eternal soul, the true winner you. That's the most important part of you. That's why Jesus gets to in this passage, why he says, what does it profit a person if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul, lose your soul? Heard of a guy called Charlemagne? Charlemagne. Back in the 700s. Wealthy king died. They uncovered his skeleton years ago and intriguingly, in his sarcophagus, in his place of burial, there is his skeleton, pointing with his finger, resting on a Bible, pointing to that verse. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul in the process? Interesting, isn't it? Most important part of you is your soul. What you do with jesus who is jesus and what does he want me to do and from the inside of my being they're the big issues of life you know that i'm just reminding you of them and so the story so far in this passage that i want to uh, get you to is that the lord jesus um, is about two years two and a half years into his ministry he's been doing miracles he's been teaching he's been you know, doing lots of things and demonstrating who he is and on this particular occasion, just before this, he has, um, back in the beginning of chapter 9, you even have King Herod saying, who is this guy? Somebody said he's John the Baptist back from the dead and so Herod's saying, who is he? Jesus feeds the 5,000 and Luke doesn't tell us this but John does, that when he had done that, when he fed the 5,000 men, that's not counting the women and kids, so you're talking about 10,000 And some even estimate all the way up to the highest I've ever read is 25,000. So it's certainly, let's say, 10,000, we're in safe territory, canning women and kids. That's a lot of people with five loaves and two little fish, two little sardines, or the equivalent thereof. And the lesson out of that is that the little that we can present to Jesus, when you give it to Him, He can do something with it. Well, that's true for us still today. The people were so impressed with what Jesus did that he could feed them physically that they wanted to come and make him king. Jesus, knowing that, sent the disciples across the lake and he stayed and dismissed the crowd. He went up the mountain, you know the rest of the story, he comes walking on the water. They get to the other side and then he heads north, 25 miles north. He leaves Israel, he leaves Galilee behind, he goes north of the Sea of Galilee up to Mount Hermon, to the foothills of Mount Hermon. Snow-covered mountain. Matthew is the one who tells us this in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, that's where he asks the question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Caesarea Philippi is that place, 25 miles north of Galilee, <coughs> the foothills of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is a remarkable mountain. Have you been there, Charlie? Yes. Ah. Then... If you get to speak tonight then you could tell us more about Mount Hermon. Snow melts and there's a crack in Mount Hermon that comes to this sheer rock face about a 40-foot cliff and through the crack this water comes streaming out of it, that's the mouth of the Jordan River, one of them anyway. And that water flows from the snows of Mount Hermon all the way down to the Dead Sea. Source of life, water of life for the land of Israel. It's in that context Jesus is asking this question. Carved into the walls of that cliff are these little alcoves, these little niches in the walls and they have idols, gods. One of the gods they had in there was the god Pan, the Greek god. The myth of the Greek god was that he was a god who came to earth as a human. Interesting. There was a statue of the Roman emperor there. He was a human who people thought was God on earth. Interesting context, isn't it? So in that context, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And the answers back then were were threefold that they gave. They basically said, who do people say that I am? There are all sorts of answers then. They tell us, some people say you're John the Baptist, reincarnated, back from the dead. Some people say you're Elijah, reincarnated, back from the dead. because you act and look like him, well, not look like him, but you act like him, you do miracles like him, and so on. And some people say, you're the prophet of old, one of the prophets who was, you're reincarnated, you were here before, but you're back again. All the answers are, you're a reincarnation, you are so famous, so powerful, you're only in your mid-30s. How could you be so significant if you weren't here before? people were thinking these sorts of things, he's a reincarnation. And even in the context of where he's asking it, Even today, you ask people, who do you think Jesus is? They'll give all sorts of answers, wrong answers, but they'll give all sorts of answers. You know some of them, I'm I'm sure. Some people say he's just a great moral teacher, that's it. Some people say he was a philosopher. Some people would say, my dad was one of these, he used to anyway, I didn't hear him say it for years, but he was just a, a magician. Jesus, when he was a child, went to Egypt where he studied the Egyptian special magic arts and that's where he learnt sleight of hand and how did he turn water into wine sleight of hand some people seriously think that it's interesting the disciples thought he was uh, the people through the disciples were saying he's a reincarnation of something of old before i go any further let me give you this challenge <clears throat> if you can't answer the question who is jesus then do what my science teacher said to me to do take the gospel of john 21 chapters. Read a chapter a day, 10 minutes a day, that's all it'll take. And in the process of reading the Gospel of John, one chapter a day, write down any questions that you get out of the passage but take particular note of what does it say about Jesus, who He is, what names are used of Him, what titles are are referred to Him, what does He do, what does He teach, particularly what does He say about Himself, how does He describe Himself? Read the Gospel of John. 21 days, 10 minutes a day, write it all down and then come and have a chat about it. And That'll help you answer the question of who Jesus is. So, Jesus turned to His disciples in the context of all of these false gods and gods and the the beginning of the Jordan River, the water of life and all of that. In that context, who do you say I am? Had Two and a half years of clues and of teaching. And Luke doesn't tell us the full answer but he simply says, Peter answers and says, you're the Messiah, the Christ. Matthew and Mark expand that, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're not a reincarnation, you did live before, you're the son of God, you're an incarnation. Your God come in the flesh. Now whether Peter understood all of that at that time? Don't know, probably not. That's why Jesus was so surprised, blessed are you Simon Peter, You know, you haven't discovered this by yourself, people haven't told you this, my Father has revealed that to you. You've got spiritual insight, buddy. And then, of course, Peter, like he normally does, when he says something good, he says something stupid. Who do you say I am? Peter's answer, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then, as soon as he said it, Jesus says, verse 21, don't tell anybody. You ever thought why? Why? Well, because verse 22, he goes on to give them new information. He goes on to say to them, I am going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again from the third, on the third day. I'm not here for the crown. Not yet. I'll come back for the crown. I'm here for the cross. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. If you jump down to verse 45 in Luke chapter 9, you'll find out that this was hidden from them. They didn't understand it. In their, back, in their mind, this is what they expected when the Messiah came. one, there would be political turmoil. The nation would be under some sort of oppression. Well, that was true. The Romans were heavily oppressing the people of Israel. Number two, they thought an Elijah-like person would appear. Prophecy of Malachi chapter 3 and 4. And John the Baptist was that Elijah-like appearance. Jesus had even said that to them. So, political turmoil, Elijah-like person will appear. The Messiah will come and He'll go to Jerusalem to rule. We're at stage three. You're the Messiah. We're going to Jerusalem. You're going to throw the Jews out. Uh, the Jews out. You're going to throw the Romans out, and you're going to rule. And we're going to rule with you. We're going to serve in the White House of the Messiah in Jerusalem. And then Jews from all around the world will return. And there will be shalom. The kingdom of God will come. There will be peace, because it's you. You're the Messiah. That's what they expected, and Jesus had to reinform them that's not correct. That will happen one day, but not now. That's in the future. I'll come back to do that, but for now I'm here to carry the cross. Well, then, how are we supposed to live now? And that's what Jesus goes on to tell them. Luke 9. 23 if anyone whoever wants to be my disciple whoever wants to follow me you have to do three things number one deny yourself take up your cross daily and then come follow me it's not about going to jerusalem and throwing the romans out jesus would go to jerusalem and he would borrow a donkey you know this story and riding that donkey was another demonstration he was the coming king he was the promised king humble and riding on a, a donkey the fault the cult of a donkey he enters Jerusalem, and when he entered Jerusalem, they thought he would turn uh, right and go to the palace of Antonio where Pilate was, where the Roman uh, government was in residence, and he was going to kick him out. But he didn't turn right. When he went into Jerusalem, he went left and he headed for the temple. And he did that every day for the next four or five days, cleansed it. He was waiting for them to arrest him. But we thought you were going to come and get rid of them. And then he got arrested and he died and they were devastated we thought he was the coming king we were wrong what are we going to do now i'm going back fishing and then of course the resurrection and their hopes are reignited and all that jesus had taught them like he's teaching them right now and will teach them till the day he leaves them how do you live for me in this world until he returns well there are three steps and there's the first one you need to deny yourself he's not saying deny things to yourself don't buy this don't buy that don't spend so much money on getting your hair done he's not saying that what is he saying say no to you say yes to God when what you want to do comes in the gets in the road of you doing what God wants you to do say no to you deny yourself don't be selfish, don't be self-centered, don't be self-absorbed. C.S. Lewis has this brilliant quote about humility, about denying yourself. He says, humility is not thinking less about yourself or thinking poorly about yourself, it's not thinking of yourself at all. Deny our sinful selves, most certainly. reject whatever gets in the road of you doing what's going to please God. It's putting aside your intentions, your wishes and saying, Lord, here I am, what do you want me to do? It doesn't mean that you don't plan, it doesn't mean you don't have goals and have ambitions but it means you submit those to Him. Lord, what's your will and purpose for me? You cannot be a people pleaser and a Christ pleaser at the same time. That's why this is the first step that you must deny yourself. If you're not, doing that you're not his disciple you cannot begin to follow Jesus until you make this decision every day who's in charge he is of what everything in your life self-denial is not you hating yourself but it's exalting him there can only be one first the king if we are to follow him then we cannot be asserting ourselves our will our wants our wishes So denying yourself is a negative action. Stop putting yourself forward and wanting your agenda and your way. Say no to you. And please, let me underline this again. It's not just stop doing everything that you enjoy. Jesus is not saying, you know, look, come and yield yourself to God's purposes and come and be miserable like I am. He's not saying that. Jesus wasn't miserable. Just yield your agenda to God's agenda and to His leadership. I think you get it. Second step. Take up your cross daily. In other words, say yes to God. Say no to me. Say yes to Him. Whatever it is, God, you want me to do, yes. The story is told of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and 13. When you read those two chapters together, you see a big picture of something that happens. God comes to Abraham and Earl of the Chaldeans and says, I want you to leave your family and I want you to go to the place that I will show you. I'm not telling you where to go, but I'm telling you I will show you when you get there. Leave your father and your family. Abraham half obeys, Because when he leaves, his father goes with him and so does his nephew Lot. You know the story. They get to a place which is halfway to Haran. And Abraham stays there and he has to wait there until dad dies. Then he's ready to move on but he's still not fully obedient because his nephew Lot still comes with him. Genesis chapter 13, you have all these sorts of then um, growth and blessings, material blessings on their lives, both of them, but then there is a parting of the ways and it's not until Lot leaves, Abraham says, you go that way and I'll go that way, if you go that way, I'll go that way, you choose. You choose. And he does and he goes towards Sodom then God comes to Abraham and then God says to him lift up your eyes and look to the horizons this is what I told you back in of the Chaldeans this is it I'm going to give you this land God doesn't say that until Abraham is fully obedient so too for us we need to take up our cross daily and then God will work out his plan and purposes in our life, The Lord Jesus is not talking about a once-off event. This is not take up your cross at the point of conversion. This is an ongoing daily decision. Every day we'll present you with the opportunity to do so. And if you do do so, then you'll walk in victory. If you don't, then you'll experience defeat in your Christian life. None of us are perfect. We've all been there, done that. All we need to do is the process. Just repent, get up. And go on. Your cross, I like this, Chell Simpson says this, your cross is where your will and God's will cross. Your cross that you have to take up is where your will and God's will cross and you have to make a choice. Your cross is the place where you can make the decision not to please yourself. The Gethsemane mindset of the Lord Jesus, not my will but your will be done. Your cross is not what many people mistakenly say, that's that inconvenience or that annoyance or it's my spouse or it's my mother-in-law or it's my boss or it's my bad neighbour. That's not your cross. Your cross is your decision to deny yourself, to die to yourself every day and to follow him. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's voluntary, it's daily and it's permanent. In the ancient world when you saw a person carrying the cross it wasn't a nice thing it was a terrible thing it was an awful thing and it was intentionally that way it was the indication that a person who had been rebelling against the authorities had been caught had been found guilty and now he was carrying his cross to the point of execution that's what Jesus is taking that experience in his world and saying that's what you have to do every day take up your cross the one that you used to rebel against, God, has now charged you to be guilty and you are to be executed, die to yourself and you are to live for him. Take up your cross. That means submission to the one who is in authority over you, that's what it means. Submission without reservation. The demand of the cross is universal, it's for all of us, it's perpetual, it's every day. It's personal, you do it. And it's painful. It's death to self-importance, death to self-absorption, death to self-advancement, death to self-dependence, death to self interests Take up your cross and come and die, Jesus is saying. He could mean, I want you to leave your home, I want you to leave your friends, I want you to leave your career, I want you to leave your state, I want you to leave your country. It could mean that. And it has for some. It could also mean, I want you to stay where you are, I want you to stay in your career, I want you to stay in your location, I want you to live for me. Right in that context. Come and follow me, not come and be miserable. I finally found this quote, David Watson, in his book. says, a person who was being crucified, three truths of it is, they are facing one direction, there is no looking back. They're not reconsidering their decision to follow Jesus. They're facing one way. They've said goodbye to the world. They're not going back. They're not going back to please and satisfy their own flesh. And number three, they have no further plans of their own. I am totally in God's hands at his call. Whatever God wants me to do is what I'll do. Later on in, this cha- in chapter 14 in Luke, Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot... Be my disciple that's why he says in this verse luke 9 23 that we must take up our cross and follow him and in the process of following him this is step three deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow him he leads we follow it's a command it's a call not only to be saved but it's a call to be changed to be transformed to be a passionate follower of jesus we are to do exactly what he wants us to do. The four words of this submission, this following Jesus, are to obey him, to submit to him, to be faithful to him, to persevere, to keep doing it. In the ancient world, when one nation conquered another, they would have two large poles, and between it, they would put like a spear or a crossbeam at about that height, about a meter and a half. And that everybody who had been conquered had to go under it. You had to bow to go under it. You had to submit to the new authorities. That's what Jesus is saying: take up your cross and submit to me. Some people will say yes to this, and they intend to follow the Lord Jesus one hundred percent. I trust that's you. I hope it's you. I intend to give my all, but we, I slip, I stumble, I fail. Well, get up, recommit, and intend to follow him again, 100%. Repeat, day after day after day after day, like Groundhog Day. And as you repeat it day after day after day, you will learn more and more and more, and you'll get better and better at it. I intend to follow him, 100%. I hope there is nobody here, but I, probably there is. You have no intention of following him, 100% you're going to give 50% or 20% or 90%, but it's not 100%. There is still some part of your life that you're holding back. I hope that's not you. Some people will say, okay, I'll do the church thing, full stop. Oh, all right, I'll do the church thing and I'll join a Connect Group. Next Sunday, sign up, sign all right. I'll do the church thing, I'll join a connect group, and I'll join a ministry group. Or I'll do all of that. I'll go to church, I'll be in a connect group, I'll spend daily time alone with Jesus, I'll serve in a ministry, I'll give over 10 hours a week to the life of the church serving Him, but I won't be faithful at home. I won't be at work, I won't be anywhere else. If that's the case, if you're in that second group, I'm going to follow Jesus 50%. Jesus doesn't say, well, that's okay. Give me what you can give me. He says, you're not my disciple. It's everything or nothing. That's what he requires. That's why it's you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Must. It's an imperative, it's a command, it's required. When was the last time people saw the lord jesus i need to hasten to the end when was the last time the public saw jesus or when did jesus make his last public appearance you need to think about this his last public appearance when he was visible to the world not to just to his followers but to everybody was the cross and then he's died and he was buried he never appeared to the world again he appeared to his disciples He appeared to those who would come to believe in him. He appeared to a limited number. The next time Jesus appeared publicly, if you like, was actually in the lives of his disciples, of those who were following him. That's the fifth gospel. How do people see Jesus today? In us. God wrote five gospels, an old evangelist said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and our life. As we follow him, as we are His disciples, denying ourselves, taking up the cross and following him. That's our verse for this year, Luke 9:23. "Whoever wants to be my disciple must. Every day, deny yourself every day. Take up your cross every day. Follow him every day. not just on Sundays, every day. How does this work out? In these three ways, just very quickly, we have three commitments to make flowing out of this. We need to be committed to God, that's number one and the most important, every day. Increasing uh, your Bible reading, reading your Bible, praying, talking to Him, spending time alone with Him. You need to connect with one another every week. Some people get into the habit of just simply gathering together with God's people once a month some do it fortnightly some do it every three weeks increasingly not just here throughout the nation and throughout the world disciples are beginning to gather less and less it's a harmful trend we need to be connecting with one another every week commit to worship commit to fellowship commit to a connect group connect with one another be an obedient follower of the lord jesus and be concerned for others at every opportunity show and tell the gospel Live the life. Make an appointment to spend with God. Schedule a meeting with one another and be open to divine appointments. That's what God's wanting us to do. Committed to Him, connected with one another and concerned for others. Every day, every week and at every opportunity. Grab a hold of that. Luke 9.23 is our verse for this year. Whoever wants to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and come, follow me. That's why we're going to do the Master Life course. That's Every part of our ministries that we do this year, this needs to be our focus, our purpose and our drive. Why are we doing this? Because we want to tell people about Jesus. We want to help people follow Jesus to become more like Him. Let's pray together. Lord, at the beginning of this new year, and hopefully, Lord, as we enter a season where the vaccine for coronavirus will enable us to return more to normal, Lord, help us likewise to make a new start. We pray that you would um, help us to stop making excuses. Help us to act in faith and obedience to you, to make these three steps every day. And Lord Jesus, put your Holy Spirit in each of us. Fill us with him and with your love. Forgive us for everything that we've ever done that is wrong for the times we've gone astray, times we haven't denied ourselves, the times when our agenda has been what's been driving us. Clean the slate, Lord, with your blood and in your mercy and grace. And can you make us new, new and passionate followers of yourself? Help us to become the people that you have always intended us to be. Lord, you're the potter, we are the clay. Reshape us in your image, we pray. And everybody said...